We are the only minority group that you can join overnight. From Overnight Productions. In the twinkling of an eye, in fact. Charlie was a perfectionist, and he felt that being gay made him not so perfect. It was something that he couldn't control, and that was a feeling he didn't like. I think he even attempted suicide at one point. People have asked me over the years, you know, why would someone who knew going into it that they were gay, lesbian, at least had tendencies, go to an institution like Oral Roberts, knowing the rules, knowing the regulations ahead of time, why would you put yourself through that? Welcome to This Way Out, the international LGBTQ radio magazine. I'm Greg Gordon. Sri Lanka's government supports same-gender sex, suicide stats get real for LGBTQ youth, and queer religious students stay faithful to the cause. Those stories and more this week now that you found This Way Out. Melanie Keller. And I'm John Dyer V. With Newswrap, a summary of some of the news in or affecting LGBTQ communities around the world for the week ending September 17, 2022. The government of Sri Lanka is not against repealing the ban on same-gender sex. President Ranil Wickremesenge told the country's Colombo Gazette this week that his government would not oppose a bill in parliament to decriminalize consensual relations between queer adults. Sri Lanka inherited those penal code provisions from its British colonial era. Pressure for repeal has been mounting since March, when the UN Committee on the Elimination of Discrimination Against Women supported the case of activist Ozana Flamer Caldera. Flamer Caldera leads the Sri Lankan LGBTQI rights group Equal Ground, and the committee determined that the laws violate her rights. Equality advocates identify other troubling laws that also need to be eliminated laws that complicate the lives of transgender people and sex workers. Success in Parliament is not guaranteed, despite the government's position on decriminalization. The Gazette quoted President Wickremi Senge, saying, We are for it, but you have to get the support of individual members. It's a matter of their private conscience. Flamir Caldera told the Washington Blade she is optimistically cautious about repeal. Malta's Prime Minister, Robert Abela, broke the news at the country's LGBTQ Pride March in Valletta. His government will be offering government-paid, gender-affirming surgery to transgender adults. About 12,000 people heard the announcement on September 10th at the first post-COVID Pride in the nation's capital. Abela called it a celebration of the progress of civil rights. Malta was among the first nations in the world to ban bogus conversion therapy and recently lifted a ban on blood donations by men who have sex with men. Abela called free transgender health care the next step. He told One Radio, While we're proud of what we did, more needs to be done. Two Polish cities enjoyed peaceful LGBTQ pride events this month. That's noteworthy because anti-queer opposition has been rampant in the predominantly Roman Catholic country. In Katowice, about 6,000 people marched on September 3rd in joint pride with Ukrainian city of Odessa. 
the mayor had initially banned the event, citing concerns for safety and public order. To Katowice Pride organizer Shemislav Valas, the march was an opportunity for the community to feel safe and comfortable. He told Notes from Poland that the event's purpose was to remind our city, the region, and all of Poland that we are here, that we will not disappear because someone has a problem accepting that the world is not black and white. The city of Lublin showed its pride on the same day, with about a thousand celebrants overcoming fears of violent opposition that has marred recent events. Christian fundamentalists and ultranationalists fought with police at marches in 2018 and 2019. One relieved participant told local media that this year's parade was an absolutely huge change compared to previous years. She told Notes from Poland that the anti-queer rhetoric of far-right government officials has backfired. It's helped people recognize, in her words, this is not some imaginary gay who spreads diseases, but actually the person who we buy bread from in the morning, our neighbor, our colleague at work. Queer activists in Sweden are alarmed by the gains for far-right nationalists in this week's elections. Sweden Democrats is commonly described as an anti-immigrant, anti-queer party with strong neo-Nazi roots. It ranked second in election results announced on September 14th, taking 73 seats in parliament. Its alliance with other right-wing parties leaves the ruling Social Democrats and its coalition with only a narrow three-vote margin. It prompted the resignation of Social Democratic Prime Minister Magdalena Andersson. Jimmy Okenson leads the Sweden Democrats. The party disappeared its anti-queer position papers in 2007, but Okenson was reportedly escorted out of an LGBTQ night spot in 2016 as club goers shouted, effing racist. It's not yet clear what form a new coalition government might take. Sweden Democrats is demanding a significant role in policymaking decisions. Chaos reigns for transgender people in the U.S. state of Montana. First, they could change their birth certificates. Then they could not. And now, wait and see. The Republican-dominated legislature and Republican governor Greg Gianforte had changed existing law to require proof of surgery and court approval in order to change birth certificate gender markers. State Judge Michael Moses issued an injunction in April, barring the enforcement of the new law. However, the Health and Human Services Department issued a rule on September 9th denying trans people the right to make the change even after gender-confirming surgery. Judge Moses saw that as an attempt to circumvent his original injunction and on September 15th put a temporary halt on that rule as well. Now, Health Director Charlie Brereton says his department will defy Moses' decision and continue enforcing the new rule. Brereton told the Associated Press on September 16th, The department thoroughly evaluated the judge's vague April 2022 decision and crafted our final rule to be consistent with the decision. It's unfortunate that the judge's ruling today does not square with his vague April decision. ACLU attorney Melita Picasso says there was no lack of clarity in the court's ruling. 
A health department spokesperson later said that officials would wait to see the judge's written ruling before deciding how to proceed. The arrest of the woman behind bomb threat against Boston Children's Hospital was announced on September 15th by U.S. Attorney Rachel S. Rollins. On August 30th, the hospital received a telephonic bomb threat. The hospital operator answered the call, and the caller said in part, quote, there is a bomb on the way to the hospital. You better evacuate everybody, you sickos. The hospital and the surrounding area were placed on lockdown, and the bomb squad was dispatched. The people that work at Children's Hospital and the parents that bring their loved ones to Children's Hospital are under enough stress. The threat turned out to be a hoax, but the charge facing anti-queer Donald Trump supporter Catherine Levy of Westfield, Massachusetts, is not. She faces up to five years in prison. Levy was apprehended without incident after the FBI traced the call through her cell phone service. Boston Children's Hospital is one of the leading centers for pediatric care in the country. Its trans youth programs offer gender-affirming care to young people, generally involving puberty blockers and or hormone therapy. This is just the latest assault by anti-queer conspiracy theorists against medical professionals who care for transgender young people. In this case, it's being claimed that young trans patients at Boston Children's Hospital are getting forced hysterectomies or gender-affirming surgery. The outrage is manufactured by far-right social media and conservative TV outlets. Finally. I'm Peppa Pig. This is my little brother, George. This is Mummy Pig. And this is Daddy Pig. <laughs> Peppa Pig. With everyone talking about Disney's new Black Little Mermaid, you may have missed another groundbreaking venture in kiddiversity. Long-running UK children's TV show Peppa Pig introduced its first same-gender couple in early September. Peppa's classmate, Penny Polar Bear, tells Peppa, I'm Penny Polar Bear. I live with my mummy and my other mummy. One mummy is a doctor and one mummy cooks spaghetti. I love spaghetti. The show targeting preschoolers with messages about friendship, cooperation, and feelings has been on Britain's Channel 5 for the past 18 years. According to producer Entertainment One, it's been translated into more than 40 languages and broadcast in more than 180 locales. A petition calling for the introduction of a queer family on the show drew almost 24,000 signatures in Britain in 2019. That was also the year that the popular U.S. children's cartoon show Arthur featured the marriage of Arthur's teacher, Mr. Ratburn, to his male partner. Although there has been the expected backlash on social media and some uncomfortable moments on the BBC, most people cheered Peppa Pig's animated advance. Safe Schools Alliance is an organization that works for equality among educators in the UK. Its celebratory tweet said, Really nice to see age-appropriate representation of same-sex couples on Peppa Pig with Penny and her two mummies. Someone on social media simply wrote, How cool is this? That's News Wrap, global queer news with attitude for the week ending September 17, 2022. Follow news in your area and around the world. An informed community is a strong community. News Wrap is written by Greg Gordon, edited by Lucia Chappell, 
Produced by Brian DeShazer and brought to you by you. Thank you. Help keep us in ears around the world at thiswayout.org, where you can also read the text of this newscast and much more. For This Way Out, I'm Melanie Keller. Stay healthy. And I'm John Dyer V. Stay safe. parade drew about a thousand supporters to a rainy Belgrade on September 17th, overcoming outraged opposition from the Serbian Orthodox Church and the Serbian government's attempt to cancel the event. A small number of counter-demonstrators brought smoke bombs and stun grenades along with their crosses. Ten officers were injured, and more than 60 violent anti-queer counter-protesters were arrested. The successful march capped a week of Europride activities that were, happily, celebrated without incident. Hi, this is Janice Ian, and you're listening to This Way Out. This Way Out is supported in part by contributions from our listeners. Some give a little each month, some make a larger annual contribution. More information and a link to give are online at thiswayout.org. You ain't going to get this nowhere else. Thank you. Real healing was not the fact there was something wrong that needed to be fixed. It was the healing of our own self-perception. That there was nothing wrong and God loved us. That's the healing that took place. Queer students heal themselves later in the program, but first... And so I stand for the boy who died by his hand To the sound of his father screaming, woman loves man This is Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve And I stand for the girl with the cuts up her sleeve And a heart in her hand and that chip on her shoulder And I stand for it all until ignorance is over You can read the statistics about the risk of LGBTQ youth harming themselves but a young commentator from Outcasting Overtime puts flesh on the figures. This is Outcasting Overtime from Media for the Public Good, creator of Public Radio's LGBTQ youth programs. Hi, I'm Isha, an Outcasting youth broadcaster. My family lived in New Jersey until I was three years old. My mom had the sweetest best friend there. We'll call her Claire. Claire and my mom were very close, she even threw my mom a baby shower when she was pregnant with me. Three years later, Claire welcomed her own bundle of joy. Let's call him Charlie. I don't remember much about Charlie from those years, but I know that we used to go to the park to play together, and there's some pretty cute pictures of us together. Around a year or two later, my family moved abroad and then to New York. And with that, as my mom says, life just happened and she and Claire gradually fell out of touch. But I did hear that Charlie was growing up to be extremely intelligent and charismatic, just like his mom. A few years ago, when he was 12 or 13, he came out as gay, and his parents and younger sister were extremely supportive. And as far as I know, he wasn't really bullied or anything for being gay. But he was a perfectionist, and he felt that being gay made him not so perfect. It was something that he couldn't control, and that was a feeling he didn't like. 
These feelings eventually spiraled into a deep depression. And while I'm not completely sure, I think he even attempted suicide at one point. But things eventually began to look up. He may have not been cured of depression, but he had a strong family support system and was getting counseling. He seemed to be doing much better, and he was able to enjoy the simple things in life again, things as simple as spending time with his younger sister. To help with Charlie's recovery, Claire thought that it would be fun to plan a family trip into New York City. She booked a hotel for her husband, daughter, mother-in-law, and of course, Charlie, so that they could enjoy some sightseeing, shopping, and good food. One of the things they planned was a visit to a new attraction called The Vessel on the far west side of Manhattan. I've been there. It's a hive-shaped structure that includes ramps, stairs, and platforms with a great view of the city and the Hudson River. In fact, my brother and I have a few pictures on the vessel where you can see the view of the city buildings in the background. But the vessel has a dark side. In a matter of just a few years, three people had already ended their lives by jumping off. I almost felt guilty for having such fond memories of a place where people had taken their own lives. But despite these suicides, the creators of the vessel did not want to damage the design of their magnum opus by adding anti-jump obstacles. Last summer, I heard a news story about a teenage boy who had committed suicide by jumping off the vessel. He was number four. While it was hard to accept that yet another suicide had occurred at the vessel, and this time it was a teenager, in all honesty, I didn't think much about it because in my mind, it was just another bad thing in the news. And as tragic as suicide is, the whole situation just seemed so distant for me, and I quickly moved on. A few weeks later, my mom found out who the boy was. Soon after that, she told me. It was 14-year-old Charlie. That's when the suicide really sank in. I later learned that he had jumped off the vessel right in front of his family. Studies showed that 45% of LGBTQ youth have seriously considered suicide in the past year, and 14% of LGBTQ youth actually attempted to kill themselves within the past year. It's really not surprising that many of us are driven to self-harm by the marginalization and discrimination we face. Charlie's story has affected me in many ways. One in particular is seeing firsthand that these statistics are not just numbers. It's easy to feel a disconnect between statistics and the human realities behind them, and many of my peers would also agree that it's easy to look at the numbers and completely disregard the people that are those numbers. That is, until someone you know becomes that number. Since Charlie's death, his mom, Claire, has been involved in LGBTQ advocacy and has even started a foundation in Charlie's name. Claire aims to raise awareness about LGBTQ mental health and how families and friends can support their LGBTQ loved ones. So she's taking this awful tragedy and trying to turn it into something positive, working to prevent future LGBTQ youth suicides so that other people don't have to grieve like she has to. But no matter what she does, she can't bring Charlie back. I've thought about the last time I saw him, when I was eight and he was five and my family had just moved back to the States. I remember that we made bracelets together out of small rubber bands. It's bittersweet to think back on that as the last time I saw him. We were both so young and enjoyed our time together, but it's awful to think about the torment he was about to experience. Claire visited my family this summer, and it was devastating to hear her talk about her teenage son in the past tense. He was younger than I am, and I cannot even begin to imagine the pain Claire and her family will feel for the rest of their lives. 
and I am sure they are living in a constant state of wondering whether they could have done anything to prevent Charlie's suicide. Because of the gap in contact between our two families, a lot of what I know about Charlie and how his life ended has come to me from his mom since his death last summer. The more I hear, the more I wish I could have been friends with him. Thanks for listening to Outcasting Overtime from Outcasting Media, creator of Public Radio's LGBTQ youth programs. Outcasting Media is a production of Media for the Public Good, based in New York. Our executive producer is Mark Sofis. Visit us at outcastingmedia.org to get information about outcasting, watch outcasting videos, access our social media links, and listen to outcasting and related content. You can also find outcasting wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Isha. Thanks, and thanks for listening. This is for you, for knowing who you are, for never letting your magic outside of your heart. Be you, be brave, and understand that things do change. Hello, this is the actor Michael Emerson, Ben on Lost. It's not easy being one of the others, so if time travel or moving the island isn't an option and you're feeling sort of lost, try listening to Greg and Lucia on This Way Out, the international LGBT radio magazine. signed up for an e-newsletter inside This Way Out? We send them out every few weeks, briefly reviewing recent and previewing upcoming programming and deepening the conversation about your favorite international LGBTQ radio show. All you have to do is email us at info at thiswayout.org. And be assured that we don't share or sell your email address or anything about you to anyone else, and we never will. Again, to receive the occasional Inside This Way Out and let us know you're listening, Email us at info at thiswayout.org. Thank you. It's time for another This Way Out Rewind. Rewind. Faithful queer students at religiously based schools never give up. In the legal battle for recognition at New York's Yeshiva University, the Orthodox Jewish School suspended all campus clubs this week after the U.S. Supreme Court sent their appeal to block the Pride Alliance back to the lower courts. The Rainbow Collective at Brigham Young University recently saw their informational pamphlets removed from the student welcome packets by the Mormon school's administration. Such efforts for campus inclusion go back decades. Twenty years ago, in September of 2002,
as the U.S. religious right continues its relentless homophobic rhetoric, groups of gay, lesbian, bi, and trans people who have a vested interest in conservative denominations and religious institutions are engaged in a counterattack. The GOBT alumni of Oral Roberts University are at the forefront of organizing graduates of conservative religious colleges, and ORU Out, as their group is called, brought a small but determined band of activists to Los Angeles at the end of September for its annual conference. This way, Out's Lucia Chappelle attended the gathering and chats with ORU Out President Jeff McKissick about their mission. ORU is Oral Roberts University, and it was founded in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1965. It is predominantly a non-denominational Christian university that was founded by the televangelist Oral Roberts. Now, how did all of these gay people end up coming out of Oral Roberts University? Well, I think it obviously a lot of it had to do with a lot of gay people going into Oral Roberts University. But people have asked me over the years, you know, why would someone who knew going into it that they were gay, lesbian, or at least had tendencies, go to an institution like Oral Roberts, knowing the rules, knowing the regulations ahead of time, why would you put yourself through that? And I think, at least in certain cases I can speak for, you had a number of people who saw this man on TV for years, who stood for healing something that was wrong with people. And for many of us who grew up in a conservative religious element, who were told something's wrong with you if you're gay or lesbian, there was that thought in the back of our brain that maybe if we go here in the process of getting an education, somehow we will be fixed or healed or delivered or however you want to phrase it. So I think that's why a lot of people may have gone there. The real healing did come, but not till later, because the real healing was not the fact there was something wrong that needed to be fixed. It's the healing of our own self-perception, that there was nothing wrong and God loved us. That's the healing that took place. So then what's the goal of ORU Out? Well, we really have three goals. Number one is we obviously want to network with other alumni, both who are out or who are struggling with sexual identity issues. Number two, we want to be a resource to the current students on campus who are needing assistance wrestling with sexual identity issues. And then third, we have and are continuing to open up a dialogue with the university itself as to how to better to relate to GLBT alumni, faculty, staff, and students. And how is it going? On all three levels, I think very well, including with the university. We've attended the last two homecomings at ORU as an openly out group and have been very well accepted by faculty, uh, current students. There may be some dissension, but we've not really seen it or felt it. So we've been very pleased. The university position is one of agreeing to disagree, but they have been very cordial with all their communications with us and seemingly very open to us when we've attended any campus functions. What was the goal of this conference? The goal of this conference was obviously providing a networking opportunity for alumni that we have in the Los Angeles area, but also to be a starting point for other groups wishing to form, be it at Biola or Azusa Pacific, Loyola Marymount or uh, Brigham Young, because we do have alumni from other conservative religious schools who are contacting us on a regular basis saying, hey, you guys did it. How could we do the same thing? So the purpose of this meeting was to give us an, a chance for some internet working, but also as an outreach to help other groups get information on how they can start a similar group. For This Way Out, I'm Lucia Chappelle. ORU Out now exists as a confidential Facebook group. You can get more information by checking out the private Gay Straight Alliance of ORU Alumni Facebook group.
Thanks for finding This Way Out, brought to you by the nonprofit Overnight Productions. Some program material this week came from Melanie Keller and John Dye V, produced by Brian DeShazer and from Lucia Chappell. Electric Light Orchestra, Angel Hayes, Sam Cooke, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, and Marcia Stevens performed some of the music you heard, and Kim Wilson, composer, performed their theme music. This Way Out appreciates the Beneficial State Foundation Sponsorship Fund of the Tides Foundation and donors Richard Merck and Brad Payton of Silicon Valley. Listener donors like them make this program possible. Thank you. Look for This Way Out Radio on social media, email info at thiswayout.org, or write to us at P.O. Box 1065, Los Angeles, California, 90078, USA. For associate producer Lucia Trappell and the entire This Without crew, I'm Greg Gordon. We thank you for listening online at thiswithout.org and on KGNU, Boulder, Denver, Fort Collins, Ward, Colorado, 8CCC, Alice Springs, Australian Northern Territory, WERU, Bangor, Maine, and a wide array of community terrestrial and internet radio stations around the world, including this one. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay tuned.